19, the 19th Psalm. Now, we've been talking about the fear of the Lord. We're going to go into it a little bit deeper tonight. Just each week, last week, we talked about the, the two sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. They did not honor God, or they weren't have a reverential fear for him, I should say. And they died. Judgment came immediately. Now, you'll hear me say this a couple of times tonight. If you desire the praise of man, you will fear man. And if you fear man, you will serve man because you will serve whatever you fear. And so that's what it all comes down to. Now, as you're turning to, to Psalm 19, I'm going to start tonight and I'm going to read you two passages in the Proverbs. And the reason I'm not having you turn there is I'm reading them both out of the message translation. Listen to what these say. Proverbs 22, verse 4, it says, The payoff for meekness, which is humility, and the fear of God is plenty and honor and a satisfying life. Now, he gave us two ingredients right there. He said the first one is meekness or humility and the fear of God. Now, when I live with those two, he ultimately said it would lead to a life of plenty, honor, and satisfying. When I looked at that, this began to jump out. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Humble yourself, which is meekness, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. Now, I believe when we live with the fear of the Lord and just this humility, and the reason I come under the mighty hand of God, not only do I humble myself in meekness, but it's also a fear of God. And he said, it'll lead to plenty. And I, li I like the thought of that. Plenty, honor, and a satisfying life. I'm skipping over one page to Proverbs 23, verse 17 and verse 18. And it says, don't for a minute envy careless rebels. Soak yourself in the fear of God. That's where your future lies. Then you won't be left with an armload of nothing. Soak yourself in the fear of the Lord. I mean, I believe that's every day where we just said, okay, Father God. And he will begin to do something, and I mean he'll do some great things in you. Psalm 19 is where we're headed. Look with me in verse number 7. Let's start in Psalm 19, verse 7. And I've got to get there in two different Bibles because I'm going to quote back and forth just for a little bit. Psalm 19, verse 7. Read with me here. If I can get there. I'm getting there. All right, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The message says, The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The second part of verse 7 says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The message says, The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoice in the heart. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The message says the direction of God's plans are plain and easy on the eyes. Now look at verse 9. The fear of the Lord. Now what does he say here? The fear of the Lord is clean, 
One translation says right there, guys, it's pure. It's pure. What is the fear of the Lord? Now, when you begin to look, look what he's trying to tell us here, guys. The person who is careful to live a life before the Lord, even when no human is present or no human that is looking, is the one who will live pure before the Lord. Even when no one's looking. See, many times do we do things because people see us, but he says in there, the, the person that fears God, his fear is clean because he's not doing it under man. He's doing it under God. Now listen to what one of the Jewish commentaries says here. The person who is careful not to break God's commands is pure for he has not sullied himself with sin. Now as I looked at that word called sully, he hasn't sullied himself. I thought, what in the world is that actually talking about? Some of you may know that. I had to look it up. The word sully means he hasn't blemished himself with sin, defiled himself. He hasn't tarnished himself or stained himself with sin. So he's the person who refrains himself even when nobody's looking. Because why? He lives with a reverential fear. It's like, you know what? I don't care if man sees me or not. God sees me. God's the one that's looking out. Now look how he ends this. He says, and it endures forever. The message says in that verse right there, God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. That's, that's powerful when I look at it that way. And so the proof of the fear of the Lord is it endures Without what I do to people, but when I begin to do it under the Lord, and I say, okay, Father God, I'm going to begin to fear you in a great way, unlike any other time. I'm going to stand it all, and you know what? I'm going to do things as to you. Now, go with me the book of Acts chapter 4. Let's go back into the New Testament a little bit, and let's look at that. It's the fear of the Lord that causes you to stand before the Lord forever. That's what will get you to stand there. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Now, what we're going to do tonight, guys, is we're going to give you another illustration of people, what happens. And I believe this with all my heart, guys. It takes courage to live for God, especially nowadays. Real men, real women love Jesus. And, and when I live with courage for the Lord, I'll live with no regrets. How many of you have ever lived with regrets? Every one of us have. That's one of the things the fear of the Lord will do. It'll keep you from leaving, living without regrets. Now, I believe this personally, guys. It's not enough just to believe in something. It really becomes meaningful when I live for something. And when I live for something, you know what that means? I'm willing to die for something. It takes things to a whole nother level. And that's where the fear of the Lord will begin to kick in. And, and what I even mean by that will kick in there is you look and you think, you know what? I'm not moved by what people do. What people say. Remember, Jesus said, I was persecuted and you're going to be persecuted too for serving me. But I believe he's wanting to take us to new levels in our walk. I mean, just fill us up. Now, here we are in Acts chapter number 4. Begin with me in verse, let's start in verse 33. 
And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord, just like we're going to do this weekend. And a great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of land or houses, they sold them. And they brought the proceeds of the things they were sold. And they laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each one as anyone had need. And Joseph, or Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated, son of encouragement. And I like that right there. Some translations say, son of comfort. This guy, was he was a blessing. I mean, it was like his nickname was the son of encouragement. Now, a lot of us in this room, we've had other nicknames that were sons of something else. But the son of encouragement, I thought, now, man, that's awesome right there. That dude, he, he was a man of God, okay? And so this guy, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus. Now, sometimes when you get in the Word of God, if you'll just begin to look at little, little numbers by there, sometimes they'll be A, sometimes they'll be letter one. In this situation in my Bible, I got a little asterisk mark by there. Now, anytime when I start reading and I see those little asterisk marks, I'll start digging. Man, I'll start tracing where this was going. Well, this one right here that says he was a Levite of the country of Cyprus, it was uh, transferred back to Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Now, you can turn there with me or you can just let me read this. Listen what it says about that. It says, Then the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaritan had peace and were edified or built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Why did you read that? Guys, I just want you to show you right here. This guy right here, he walked in the fear of the Lord. He walked full of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, guys, I'm going to tell you, God takes notices when people live with a reverential fear of him. Keep reading. Verse number 37. And having land, he sold it and brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, Cyprus, guys, was an island. And it was, it was noted that if you owned property on the island of Cyprus, you were probably wealthy. You probably had some money. So what goes on here is this guy, Joseph, or Joseph, he sells this property and he brings this significant gift to the apostles' feet. Now, you know what I believe a significant gift is for every one of us? Is when I give something, it moves me. If I give something and it doesn't move me, then it's really not significant. So even what he gave, now that can look differently for every one of us. But when I give something that really, really moves me, it comes along the lines of significant. Chapter 5, verse 1. The very verse, verse word, verse 1, is but. So I believe right here when Luke was writing this, guys, he's still in the same thought that he left chapter 4 in. And he says, but... A certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. Now, when I begin to look at this right here, I believe this that, that this guy Ananias and his wife Sapphira, they saw all these people bringing gifts 
to the apostles' feet. And they were aware of what this guy named Joseph did. And I believe they kind of had this mentality. We're not going to be outdone by anybody, especially someone from Cyprus. And so they hold back part of the precedes, it says. Keep reading. And his wife also being aware of it, and they brought a certain part, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to Ananias, now get this, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back, and one translation says, and secretly keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? Yes, it was. And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Yes, it was. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Now, I believe this, guys, that Ananias and Sapphira, they reason things away. And I believe they begin to talk to each other. And you know what they said? And honey, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So let's just keep back part of it. But let's appear like we're giving it all. Now look how this verse ends. You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. Now what this shows me right here, guys, is once again, they were doing this to impress men. But they were deceiving. The sin was deception. Where they thought, you know what, man will ever know, never know. But listen, once again, God would know. God would know. Now, is it wrong to keep back the proceeds? No, it wasn't wrong at all to keep back some of the proceeds. They could have done that. What was wrong is they appeared like they were given it all. So you know what they were ultimately doing? Saying, we want the applause of men. But right here, Peter looks at him and says, why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart? In other words, it's, it's very clear, you guys don't fear God. You're more concerned about how you're viewed to men. Verse 5. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, and he breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard or, who heard or saw these things. I bet so. And can you imagine this, guys? And, and when you begin to look at this, because a lack of fear, Ananias was judged immediately. Immediately. And so I look back, even back to last week with, with Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu. Remember, they were judged immediately. Now, I said this earlier, if you desire the praise of man, you'll fear man. And if you fear man, you'll serve man because you're going to serve what you fear. This proves this out right here. And so right here, Ananias, man, he falls over dead. They come in, haul him away. Now, can you imagine what everybody else in the church is doing? Don't breathe. Don't move. Don't sneeze. I mean, can you imagine? I'll guarantee you what happened. A reverential fear came back in there. Verse number 6. And the young men arose, wrapped him up, and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what happened. And Peter answered her and said, Tell me whether you sold the lamb for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. 
That's it. We did. That's it. You confirmed it. That's it. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? How have you agreed together? Now, if you'll look in that passage right there in my Bible, once again, there's another asterisk mark. You know where this took us? It takes us back to Matthew 18, 19. And Matthew 18, 19 says, If any of you or any two of you will agree on earth concerning anything, it will be done for you. Now, even in the negative, guys, even in sin. So this husband and wife, they got together even in sin, and they were in unity. But it shows me one thing, or two things. Number one, the power of unity again. But number two, it doesn't work just in blessings. It'll work on both sides of the fence. And so right here, he goes on to say, you have agreed together to what? To test the Spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last, and the young men and women came and found her dead, and carrying her out, they buried her by her husband. Verse 11. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Can you imagine what the church gossip was? Did you hear what happened? Did, they're dead. Paws up, six foot under. They're dead. They're gone. Now I guess great fear would come upon people that, that this happened. But I want you to note something in verse 11. So great fear came upon all the city. That's not what it says. Great fear came upon all the church. Great fear. So we go back to, to Leviticus 10 and verse 3 and it says that all those who come, to, come into God's presence, they must come in with reverence and honor and a holy fear. And so you even begin to look at this, that God sees everything we do. He sees all this, even in this situation. Now, here's something that really begin to stir up my curiosity. I begin to say, Lord, I've seen in the Bible numerous times where people have done stuff over and over, and it appeared like there was no consequences. No immediate judgment. That's next week. Two other sons. Eli's boys. And they were some, well, that's next week. But I looked here and I thought, okay, Lord, we've looked at two passages the last two weeks. Both situations. These were people that once again, I believe they love God. They just quit fearing God. I mean, these were church-going folk. Nadab and Abihu did. And then again, I look here again at, at, at uh, Ananias and Sapphira. I believe they both love God. They just quit fearing God. Now, I'm going to remind you last week, I told this story about the minister named Jim Baker. Jim Baker, guys, he, he was very godly at one time, 
But he got so big and his ministry got so big, there was no accountability. And what that means, he didn't have anyone to tell him, you can't do that, you're wrong. And ultimately, you know what happened? It brought destruction to his life. He lost his ministry, he lost his marriage, and he went to jail. And the guy interviews him in jail and said, Reverend Baker, when did you quit loving Jesus? And he said, I never quit loving Jesus. I still love Jesus. I just stopped fearing him. I just stopped fearing him. So as I begin to look at this, a lot of times, if we'll just keep reading in passages of Scripture, it'll show us things. Look at verse 12, and we'll read just a couple more verses down. So think about this here. Ananias and Sapphira, they're dead. Man, I'm telling you, the, the, the judgment of the Lord just boom. Verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord. There it is again. Unity again, even in the house of God. And they were with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. The multitudes of both men and women, now get this, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and the couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. What does that mean, Pastor? What's, what's the key to all that? Well, I begin to notice over and over where God's glory and God's presence and the manifestation of His power were happening, whether it was at the church, whether it was in their city, whether it was in the streets. Every time I find this, guys, there was immediate judgment. Immediate judgment. But next week you'll begin to see where the, the presence of God, the Word of God, the things of God was very rare. There was little judgment. There was little judgment. And some of you say, well, man, we don't want the power of God then. Yeah, we do. That's a good thing. That's where God heals. But what's going on there is God says, listen, if you want my blessing, you want all these things to happen, then start living with a reverential fear. Start honoring me. Can you imagine us just sitting out a little lemonade stand out here, but really we were praying for healing and people started getting word. Man, every time you go by that stand out there, man, the healing happens, something happens. Well, this is similar to what was happening with Peter. He was so full of God, so full of the presence of God, that when he would walk by, they would get healed. And man, they were lining them up, you know why? In hope of just his shadow would hit them. But once again, all this comes off of some of them didn't honor him as far as reverential fear of the Lord. And when we quit fearing him, guys, it shuts down the things of God. And let, let me say this tonight. Delayed judgment is not denied judgment. You're going to be judged. Every one of us are going to be judged. I'm going to tell you that. That's next week. I can't keep jumping ahead. Go with me to 1 Peter 1. I want you to see this. I encourage you to study those things. And man, it began to stir me up, guys. It began to stir me. See, God doesn't play games with the gifts of the Spirit. God doesn't play games with healing and that's th th those gifts, guys. He only flows through ones 
that, that have a fear of God. That they reverence God. And I believe this is why right here that, that he was flowing with Peter. Now remember, Peter was the one who confronted him and said, Ananias, Sapphira. Why are you tempting God? You know why? Because he was sensitive to the Lord. And you know what? He didn't want bad for him. He just wanted him to acknowledge God and live right because he knew and God's moving. Now, now note here in 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Now that word sober there means be self-controlled and morally alert. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. Now he says right here, as obedient children. You've become born again and Jesus is the Lord of your life. And he says, don't go back to your old behaviors here. Don't go back to, to the, those former lusts as in your ignorance. You know what he was talking about? Before all of us got born again, you know what? We were ignorant. We were ignorant to the things of God. So he says, now as obedient children, live obediently. Don't go back to those things. Live for God. Verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. In all your conduct, in your manner of living, in your behavior. Now what did he tell us to do right there? He's called you to be holy even in your conduct. You know what that tells me? I just can't act any way I want. And am I saying we got to be perfect overnight? No. I believe with every one of us as believers... There's a continual transformation going on. From glory to glory, faith to faith, victory to victory. And it's kind of like a little child. You know, some would be wrong if your one-year-old stayed the size of a one-year-old when he's 15. But when you start watching a child grow, what is that? That's a, a natural thing that happens to every one of us as human beings. I believe this ought to happen as, as children of Christ, as believers. That yes, we're going to start out right here, but 15 years from now, you're still wearing pampers. Still on the bottle. See, what happens is we start growing. We start growing. And when I miss it, you know what I do? I repent. You know, when I was a sinner, it didn't bother me to sin. You know what sinners do? They sin. It didn't bother me to sin. But when I got born again, it started bothering me. So I would grow a little bit, and then you know what I'd do? I'd sin. And it'd bother me, so I would repent. And I'd go here, and I'd go here, and go here, and go here. You know, I, I think of this illustration, this may help you. I mean, many times when we get born again, some of us, we, we got filthy mouths. I mean, just, I mean, you cuss with the best of them. Five years from now, I shouldn't be doing that. Ten years from that. Does that mean you ever slip? You could. But there's times you just got to keep growing and keep growing and keep growing. And then you find yourself, instead of cussing, you just say, son of a bendigo. Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, okay? All right, that'll help some of you. Okay? 
But I don't have to get over and say those things. But once again, this is what he's talking about. Now, man, i got to move here. Look what he goes on to say. As obedient children, not conforming yourself back to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Because as is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, without partiality. So you know what that tells me? The way he judged Ananias and Sapphira and the way he judged Nadab and Abihu, guys, the day's going to come that he's going to judge me. And what's he going to judge me for? My works, my acts, the things I did. So what happens many times as believers when there's not immediate judgment upon us, you know what we think as human beings? God must be okay with it. It must be all right. No, 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 no. Delayed judgment is not denied judgment. I'm going to tell you right here. The day is coming when he'll judge every one of us. Now keep reading there and this will help you. He says, who without partiality judges according to each work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here on earth in fear. Now this is the certainty, guys, right here, that God will judge our work, but it's just an incentive to me to live holy. That's what he said. Just ask God to help you to start living holy. And the fear that he's talking about is I go through life with a reverence. I don't care if I'm at work. I don't care if I'm at the softball field with all my buddies. I'm going to have a fear of God. I'm going to have a reverence. You know why? Because he's going to judge me. I don't know if that that scares the the health out of you. I said health, H-E-A-L-T-H. That bothers me, guys, to understand there's a day that I'm going to stand before Father God and I'm going to give an account for everything I've done. You think, you think it wouldn't yank the slack out of people if Sunday morning we started taking up tithes and offerings? And, and I know I just use Matt as an example because he's here. They're passing the buckets and we look down there, hey, this croak's over dead. And then we get... We get Ernest and Mike and Ernie all back there, the ushers, and they just come and grab him by the arms and the legs, and we just walk him out of here. Everybody be looking. We'd be thinking, what is going on? See, I believe this, guys. I believe we're coming back into a time, and the reason I say that, that Jesus said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And there's a thing that's going to happen before long called the latter rain. And when the latter rain starts happening, the presence of God is going to come in here and we're going to see things unlike any time we've seen. I'm going to tell you, we're going to see the shadows. We're going to see those things happening again. And so you know what that means? You better live right or you'll be pawed up right there in the pews. And if that happens, you know what? I'm just going to keep preaching. I'll keep preaching and say, Woo, he's in heaven. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You ushers, get him out of here. Get him out of here before he starts stinking. I'm just kidding. See, what happens when we just start living with that irreverential fear? And I, sh- I show you this in the Bible to understand, guys. I'm going to tell you, God is a God. He's a God of love. 
But he's also a God of judgment and fear. And I believe this is what happens that we've gotten out of balance. We always want to talk about the love of God. Now, I'm not putting down the love of God. But there is a love of God and there is a fear of God. And I believe we've got to get back in balance. Because you know what the love of God people say? Well, God loves me. He doesn't care what I'm doing. He doesn't. And why does he say, why is he going to judge us if he doesn't care? Stand up. Boy, I'm going to go way too long if I don't get you up here. Praise the Lord. So, where are we heading?